The year is 1988, Bethel, New York. The air here is thick with curiosity and secrets. I'm an 18-year-old with a blend of Zambian and Irish heritage. Do I possess an appetite for corn, beef, and cabbage? Sprinkled generously as I have a penchant for Parmesan cheese. Maybe. But on the advice of Patty, the bartender at Patty's Pub and Grill, I followed up on a lead and went to the home of Darby Thursday on Ruby Tuesday Lane because I'm Seamus O'Hooligan Jr., Black Irishman. I stepped on the porch with my banjo case in hand. I knock on the door, and a curvaceous woman named Bubble B, with no need to describe what she had a double of, leans against the doorframe in her pink silken sheer lingerie, her lips curved in a dangerous smile as she purred. Well, well, well. What brings a lad like you to my doorstep? Hello, miss. I'm, I'm looking for Darby Thursday. Darby? He ain't here. Want to leave a message? My name is Seamus. I'm Bubblebee. And you can call me Bubbles. Seamus O'Hooligan, I'm looking for my father. Your fingers look like they could negotiate world peace. Why don't you come on in and rest them a bit? Uh, Mrs. Darby, I'm looking for my father's banjo. Banjo? That's why I kicked his sorry ass out. Him and that freaking banjo. So Mr. Darby isn't here. Over 18 damn years of him bringing a damn banjo to bed. Have you ever heard of something so insane? I was fed up, but I didn't say anything. Yeah, that, that is crazy. So so do you know where I can find him? Eighteen damn years of that nonsense, and I accidentally roll over one night and break a guitar string. Right, so you don't know where he is. Hell no, I don't know where he is. He yelled at me, and I told him to get out. Damn. He calls her every week, though. Asking if you'll take him back. No, asking if I'll let him in so he can get his damn banjo. So, so the banjo's here? Yeah. It's in the closet. In the bedroom. Mrs. Darby. I thought I told you to call me Bubbles. Uh, the banjo belongs to my father, and 18 years ago, my mom threw my dad's banjo out of a hotel window on their wedding night. So, he was telling the truth about finding that banjo in the bushes. Darby and I were at the... You at the Raleigh Hotel. Mm, yeah, that sounds about right. I used to smoke Raleigh cigarettes back then, and I switched to Bel Air. A smoother flavor with a filter tip. Right. Well, well the thing is, I, I want that... You want that guitar? Banjo. Well, Mr. Hooligan, seems like we're at an impasse. I mean, how do we really know it's the same banjo? Bubbles. How many banjos from the night of June 13th, 1970 go flying out of a Raleigh hotel window? Oh, so now you want to call me Bubbles. Bubbles, my father slept with the banjo too. Oh, I believe you, Mr. Hooligan, but you'll have to bring your fingers inside to get that banjo. You know, it's still in the closet. So I pick up my banjo and prepare to walk into Mrs. Darby's home. She stops me. Seamus. Why don't you put that little old banjo back in the car? I got a story to tell you about your daddy's banjo. I returned my banjo to the car. Now, as I walked back, I was a bit nervous as I went into her home. She had a large king-sized bed with four posts that dominated the room, and the atmosphere in her crib was ethereal. Her bedroom had this had this glow. She said to me, These fingers are so beautiful, they could star in their own movie. Trying to be cool, I said, what would be the title? And she said, Fingerella. A tale of two thumbs. As she had my hands sprawled out over her warm satin sheets, I couldn't help but wonder, 
why in the hell did her husband sleep with a banjo in bed? For that matter, why in the hell did my father sleep with a banjo in bed? Well, as it turns out, after working my hands over all night, Bubble Bee told me a fantastic tale about a King Brian Baru of Ireland who allegedly destroyed a sacred grove of trees in 999 A.D. Now, the next morning before giving me the banjo fanula, she made me a light breakfast and made use of my two thumbs and suggested I see a musical appraiser in town named Chuck Henson. Supposedly, he was a seasoned musical appraiser of folk art. Upon examining my father's banjo, he said, Seamus, you've seemed to have stumbled upon something truly remarkable. Well, Mrs. Darby and I are just acquaintances. She gave me breakfast and a manicure, huh? but that's it. What? No, I mean the banjo fanula. Her name alone carries a mystique. It's like finding a lost chord in the symphony of time. Now... You say your father slept with this banjo? Yes, and Darby Thursday, too. Well, it's no wonder it's the banjo's wood. The wood? What about the wood? Fanula's wood is rich, dark, pleasurable, resonant. It absolutely glows. Look at it. It hails from a sacred grove of trees. Not just any grove, mind you but one that belonged to the Vikings of Dublin. Vikings? Sacred trees? Sleeping with banjos? And does any of this have anything to do with me being a black Irishman? These questions and more we'll find out on the next episode of Seamus O'Hooligan Jr., Black Irishman. One thing I've learned After all these years You're gonna save yourself A whole lot of tears Don't try to figure out Who was wrong and who was right Got them moving along, baby Hi, everybody, your old friend Mike Houlihan. Welcome back to Hibernian Radio. This is show number 264. At the top of the show, you heard our friend, the one and only Greg Holloman with Seamus O'Hooligan Jr., Black Irishman. We'll be featuring the entire repertoire of all of those uh, in two weeks, right before St. Patrick's Day. That'll be our big St. Patrick's Day show. Uh, I want to tell everybody we're brought to you by Madden Funds, Local 150, Fox's Pizza, Flood Brothers, and Guinness is good for you. You can catch the show every Saturday night at 7 o'clock on Global Irish Radio, G-I-R dot I-E. Or on Sunday, pick up the podcast at hibernianradio.org. We have an old friend on the show tonight. Uh, he was kind of a regular when we were doing the show at uh, Kitty O'Shea's, one and only Pat Fitzmorris, retired Chicago Fire Department ambulance chief. 
45 years on the job. When he retired, what was that, a couple of years ago, Pat? Three yeah, years going ago. on 33 years now. Okay, so there's a the, the Tribune, God bless him, did a terrific story and said, as far as big names in Chicago history go, Pat Fitzmorris isn't exactly well-known. But fellow paramedics say that in addition to directly saving hundreds or thousands of lives as a paramedic the past 45 years, he made every city resident safer through his tireless crusade to speed up emergency response times by adding to the city's fleet of ambulances, which has doubled in size during his tenure. Fitzmorris ended his reign as the current longest-serving paramedic on the Chicago Fire Department. His job as a crew chief on the always happen west, west side, overseeing the city's busiest rigs as one of seemingly nonstop calls. But what sets him apart from his peers is that he is also known for sending, sounding alarms for responding to them. In other words, he's got a big mouth. <laughs> He'll tell you exactly what he thinks. And and Pat and I go way back, and we worked uh, on Chewy Garcia's campaign for mayor, and he's featured prominently in the book because he had a couple of great confrontations with that weasel, uh, Rahm Emanuel. So he's a man from my own heart. Pat, welcome back to the show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. So great to see you again, pal. Okay, so 45 years. And wait, it was 45 years, and I, I think I underlined exactly how long it was. Uh, 40, no, maybe not. March of 75 is when I came on. The oh, department. March of 75. Okay, wow. Anyway, so is it life different now without all the action and everything? Yeah, it's slow. I mean, you know, one day you're going to multiple gunshot victims, and the yeah. next day your biggest task is make sure to water the flowers. You know? <laughs> So yeah. it's a it's a little bit of a slowdown, you know. Oh sure, yeah. You're gonna go nuts. You better have some some kind of hobby or something. Oh, I got a hobby. Uh, you know, I the gardening. No, no. Oh. My wife, I water. I just water okay. and water and dig. Okay, that's all I do. Uh, you get used to it. I, you know, I'm not gonna deny it. I'm not gonna miss it. There was nothing like it in the world. You know, yeah. sitting on plenty I, of action. You know, a lot of action. You know, be sitting there on the corner of you know Cicero and uh, Chicago. You know, yawning and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden you hear the police radio. We got three people shot at 4,400 Adams, and boom, there, you know, and you light it up and, uh, you know, going 55 miles an hour, blowing through red lights yeah. to get to the scene. 55 people, everybody wants to know what's going on, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, 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 I loved it. And I worked for the the best paramedics that you you could find in the in, in the world. They were great. And I say it that way because I meant it. I worked for them. Yeah. That was my job was to facilitate them, get out, keep out of their way, and keep the bosses from, you know, giving them a hard time, you know, leave them alone, let them do their job. They're running 25, 30 calls a day. They don't need you nitpicking on them. You know, stay, stay by your desk, push some papers, you'll be <laughs> happy, you know. And, uh, what you know, like I said, the day I retired, the woman said, how could you do this? I said, well, it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, I want to blaspheme, but I've seen the dead rise. I have seen the uh, dead rise, and there is nothing, I can't repeat it enough, that walk into someone's house, and there's mom on the floor in cardiac arrest, no pulse, not breathing, and family all hysterical and crying, and you go in there with the paramedics, and they go to work, and... 10, 15 minutes into it, you hear him say, I think I got a pulse. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got pulses. I got pulses. I got spontaneous respirations. And, you know, you're going to pack them up and you're going to go. And then, you know, four weeks later, you're, you know, you, as you're walking out the door, you're telling the family, I, you know, I think 
you're doing, you know, doing okay, we're doing everything you can. And then four weeks later, you're giving the paramedics the resuscitation award because oh, he walked man. out of the hospital or he or she walked out of the hospital. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Yeah. You could catch the winning pass in the Super Bowl, hit a home run to win the World Series, but there ain't nothing like looking at them people and knowing you just saved their loved one's life. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah. And you met a lot of them. Man, after forty-five years, holy cow! Yeah, they had a lot, lot, lot of, lot of stories, a lot of tragedies. And you were right there in the ghetto most of the time, right? Yeah, the West Side happened. Uh, uh, gunshots, stabbing, a lot of sick people. You know, it was a very, very sad place. You know, I, I said a long time, but it was like I worked in a neighborhood God forgot. God and oh. the politicians forgot about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a lot of you know, lovely, wonderful people there that are just surrounded by uh, tragedy and, and crime, and it's a, sh- it's a shame. It is. Now, what's, you're two years away from it. Are you watching how it's going? Uh, yeah. Who's it's, running the fire department? Nah, that, that was part of the reason why I left. I couldn't work for this administration. There's no yeah. way no way in the world. You know, She may be the nicest woman in the world, but she's not fit to be fire commissioner. Uh, her, resume, chick, right? her, her resume reads, uh, terrible family tragedy, and I got promoted. I mean, oh, that's wow. what it was. And it was horrible. I'm not going to deny it. I was there when her son got killed. I was there. Okay. I was the department inspector for EMS operations at the time. And I went on that bus and I saw that kid shot up. And it was horrible. But you know, she's running the fire department. They've got a record number of May Days, record number of, of, of line of duty deaths. They still need more ambulances. Uh, you had a shooting down in the loop a couple I think it's September. They waited 35 minutes for an ambulance. Wow. And what does the commissioner do? Uh, they yawn. They yawn, oh, you know. And uh, it's it's terrible. And yeah. uh, the police are overworked. They're, Absolutely. They're under the gun. They're under pressure. They got, you know, there's no love from the people that are working to protect. No love from the people at City Hall that are pay- in charge of them. It's, it's just... Uh, I would have been I, I would have been fighting every day. It was, it was only a matter of time. They wanted me gone. They would have uh, they would have got rid of me. And you said you had a target on your back. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Oh, I definitely had a target. I you know I used to, yeah I used to tease on the radio. I had my monthly meeting with IAD. You know, <laughs> go down and talk to the Internal rat squad. Affairs, yeah. yeah, talk to them. The rat squad. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's what they're all about, you know. Yeah. How, you know how they how how they could jam you up for something you you did or didn't do, you know. Yeah. Well, in the police department, it's the same way now. It's terrible. I mean, we, it's, we got a nutty mayor. We had a nutty mayor before. It's, 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 it's crazy. We have a mayor. We have a village idiot running the city. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah. this guy, he's a joke, you know, yeah. and, and he, he was elected based on one criteria, Black. which was the color of his skin. Yeah. And I don't mean that, you know, people might take that as a racist statement. It's just a fact because yeah. he was not the qualified guy. No. He was, he was put up. By the CTU, he's bought and paid for by them. Chicago Teachers and, Union, yeah. And he was incompetent as a teacher, and then he became a union organizer for them, yeah. and that's all he was. And I mean, you can see now. And he was a now, teacher that he only taught for like six months or something. Right. Like who, by his own admission, says I didn't give tests, I didn't fail anybody, and I didn't do prep work. Yeah. Well, what'd you do? Yeah. You know. He's a and uh, you can see it now. You know, oh. we're not. We're going to lose the, the the shot spotter. Why? Because he's an idiot. He doesn't, yeah. and and then he didn't even figure out how to get out of it without costing us money. Yeah. Uh, and he's got carte blanche, and I, I, it offends me. Uh, what I just read recently, he went to the Grammys. 
We told everybody, oh, oh we they, probably paid they, for that. They too. paid for that. They paid for not me. Now we find out you're lying. Ah, you know, it's yeah. like when that guy opens his mouth, a lie comes out. Yeah. We paid for that. Over $9,000 to send this guy to the Grammy. I mean, if he would have stayed, it would have been worth it. I'd have pitched it another nine. Just don't come back. <laughs> yeah. But in the meantime, we got him. And now we got it. We're, we're stuck with him. We're yeah. facing a summer that could oh, be. And we got bleak. the convention is here as got well. The convention. It's going to be. We got rough. the convention. We got a police department that is basically hand tied. You know, uh, their hands are tied. I watched the uh, story on the news the other day. It's just unbelievable. The intrepid Chuck Gowdy. He oh, did a story a- on more white people are more black people are stopped than white people. Uh, okay, yeah, but he you know what he didn't tell you was what percentage of crime is committed by African American males. Yeah. He didn't tell you that most of these traffic stops, you know, like if you're a police officer, say in the fifteenth district. Who are you going to stop but African-Americans? Yeah, exactly. That's it's, the whole, right. it's the whole district. Yeah. But but he told you how many white drivers there were, there were compared to how many uh, African-American drivers. But he didn't, t- he didn't tell you how many guns they get off the street from uh-huh. traffic stops. He didn't tell you how many felony arrests they make from traffic stops. So the, you know, the, the, the report came out, and you know now all of a sudden, now the police are reluctant to do traffic stops. Sure. You know, we're going to lose a shot spotter. Can't chase even though in my, anymore. Nothing. Yeah. Even though in my neighborhood the other day, shot spotter alerted them to 21 shots fired. Wow. Somewhere around uh, Dickens and uh, uh, Neva, which, which resulted in the arrest of two guys with multiple guns. Oh, but the shot spotter don't work. So uh-huh. says Bedill Law School at Northwestern. Uh-huh. You know, a bunch of do-gooders that live in Evanston. Come live in Chicago yeah. and tell me about what the shot spotter does. You know, so it, it's just, it's, it, it's discouraging. It's very I got to tell you, I'm so glad you are here. <laughs> it's a breath of fresh air. And I knew you wouldn't hold back. God bless you. Well, that's great. This is a great city. We love this city. Yeah. And, and, you know, people are being victimized. And, you know, and I told my wife when he was elected, I said, you know what? I, I don't care anymore. I don't uh-huh. care. You know, watching the news and you hear some kid shot. Hey, you voted for this guy. Yeah. This is what you wanted. Yeah, yeah. You had a choice. You're shooting him right at the schools. Yeah, yeah. you, you had a choice. They want to take the cops out of the school. You know Paul Vallis was the better choice. Oh, Everyone yeah. knew Paul Vallis yeah. was the better choice. Yeah. But no, they were going to go with the teachers' union and vote. And the black neighborhoods came out for him. And shame on the northwest and southwest side. They didn't come out for him. No. You know, uh, no. And so now we're stuck with this guy. Absolutely. And we got, like you said, we got the Democratic Convention coming out. It's, gonna, it's not going to be a picnic. It's going to make be, gonna be problems. Like, uh, you know. There's going to be problems. Yeah, no kidding. I'm gonna st- I haven't been downtown in a long time anyway. I just don't like going down there. It's too creepy and scary. And, uh, I try to avoid the L for one thing. Yeah. To get on the L. Yeah, dude, nobody wants to take the L. Nobody wants to go downtown. Can you blame them? What the hell? No. Yeah. Water Tower Place is going to be empty. Oh, sure. State Street looks like a ghost town. Yeah, it does. You know? yeah. And it's all started with Ram. You know, he you know, he handcuffed the police, then you know, Lightfoot comes in, and then we got this guy. And, and you know, I'm he's a he's a joke. He's as qualified to be mayor as I am to pitch opening day for the Cubs. Or you are to be the quarterback for the Bears. It's he's out of his league. Absolutely. And you see him in a press conference. And now he's scared. He's having panic attacks. Yeah. Stuff. Like, you see him, he looks like a deer in headlights. His yeah. eyes are like silver dollars. He, has no he doesn't know what to say. Yeah. You know. And the media gives him a pass. Absolutely. He won't answer their questions. Yeah. Won't answer their questions. You know, I saw, I was listening, you know who Laura Logan is? She was a correspondent on, the, the left-wing media now wants 
Tucker Carlson prosecuted for treason because he interviewed Putin. It's like, right. give me a break. Yeah, it, you know, I, the media is completely out of control. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not a big Tucker Carlson fan, but so what? He interviewed. He, he, yeah. They they were just afraid. They didn't want. They were did not want to hear what they heard. Yeah. You know, just like you know, if you know, and I'm not going to sit here and defend Trump. I, you know, personally, I used to tell my buddy John Cass all the time I, when he was the president, and I said, I wish to God I could do something really heroic and get invited to the White House. <laughs> and he said, why? I go, because I'd get him in a room by the side. I'd like to give you a give crack. Me, give him a headline. St- stop acting like a 12-year-old and, and, and uh-huh. demean girls in high school. Yeah. Stay off Twitter. You're the most powerful yeah. man in the world. Yeah. Quit acting like an idiot. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, we have we, – we're, we're, uh, we're supporting the war in in Israel. We have we're supporting the war in Ukraine. Ukraine. Money, we don't know where it's at. No. We don't know how much how much the, what they're using it for, what they're doing with it, how much they have, and and I, I love I love it. You know, uh, Trump colluded with the Russians to steal the election. Then we found out no Hillary paid for that. Oh, yeah. sorry, yeah. moving along. Never mind. Moving on. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. No. So what else are we gonna have that never mind about? Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And it, it, I think people will look back at this time in history and say this is when they all went north. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. But it's a scary proposition, too. It because, sure is. Uh, you know, uh, you, you look at uh, the other day when, when all the cell phones went out. You know, so many things could happen. Yeah, that's something suspicious about that. A, yeah. a spy balloon flies across the United States. We yeah. don't do anything about it. Yeah. You know. And and I'm sorry, I I don't trust the 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 Chinese government and their inscrutable smile as far as I could throw. Them. Yeah, you know. Now, do you remember when we were on the campaign for Chewy and and you were featured in the book and everything? Did Rom ever go after you after that? Or I mean, did you? Yeah, they you know and they they tried to squeeze me, but the biggest was when he confronted me at the firehouse. You okay, know, like good. a tough guy. And he yeah, yeah. Got my face. You know, he's like nose nose with me, and I'm looking at him. I'm like. What are we in jail or something? You know, <laughs> the stare down contest. And I'm, I'm looking at the man. I couldn't help it. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, why you little runt? You know, I'll snap your neck before your body guys can get in here. Get out of my face. And you then know? he left, and the brass called yeah, you on the phone. I got a, I got a call right away. What oh. was I doing? I'm like, I'm doing oh. my job. Yeah. You know, which my job entailed at the time. We were still on paper. I had to go pick up paperwork at every firehouse. Yeah. Attendance sheets and that. It was what I had to do. Yeah. So I, I mean, I didn't know he was going to be there. He didn't inform me of where he was going to go. And all I'm thinking is, this guy's out here. There's an election coming up in a week and a half, and he's running around firehouses confronting me. Yeah. Give me a break. Then he criticized the firemen for all the nice cars they had. In yes, the you told me that. Yeah. Oh, a lot of nice cars. Oh, guys, got a lot of nice cars oh. out there. Yeah, no kidding. Well, we are not well I remember it? election night seeing you there. We were both like, ah, it doesn't look good. It nah, terrible. didn't look good. It didn't, uh-huh. You know, and and it, I don't know if Chewy would have been any bargain. And after the way oh. he, he he acted in this last election. and his, his, Chewy's his, a commie. Come on. Yeah, Face absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. He's a commie con man. Yeah. He's a commie Who's con man. Yeah. And, and I'll say that, I mean, he, you know, because when it was all over, my union, Local two went after some guys in local two went after us big time for they said that we were starting a rival organization and we weren't. They knew we weren't. Yeah. But they didn't like Rom wanted me to pay for what That's I did. That's what I was asking. Yes. He wanted me to pay for what I did. So they actually brought us before a trial board. Really? Trial, yeah. Guys got suspended from the union, fine. Okay. Yeah. And uh 
I wanted Chewy to testify. I wanted him to come there and say, look it, we never talked about contract. We never talked about usurping local two. We never did any of those things. Well, I don't know, Pat. I don't know. I'm like, Chewy, you told me you had my back. Yeah. I didn't know it meant to be you were going to push me through the door. Oh, you know? wow. And, I didn't uh, know this. Wow. And then, then, then all of a sudden now you come up with, with the, the last election that uh, uh, the village idiot won, and oh. he's running in an election. He's tied up with that uh, 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 cryptocurrency guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, clearly, he's as dirty as the day is long. Yeah, yeah. And I thought he was a good guy because he, he was. I thought he was. I thought he was too. I thought he was too. Yeah. Well, that's what politics that, is. That's exactly what yeah. they do. They yeah. sell you a load. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. So now, the Vallis campaign. You were involved yes, with that yes, as I well. And I was a little, but we had Paul Vallis on the show a couple of times. My contention is that Paul let that idiot win because he wouldn't confront the guy. Uh, but you feel it was the media. Right? I, yeah, right. I, I, I really believe he was between the rock and a hard place. I remember the one debate where uh, uh, he, uh, he uh, Paul, quest, Paul said that he was going to bring back retired detectives. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Johnson. Johnson floated some silly idea and, and Val said it wouldn't work. And Johnson turned on him and said, you can't, you can't do that. You can't tell a black man that... that his ideas are wrong because he's a black man. Oh, trying, huh? And and Vallis tried to counter it, and the moderators wouldn't let him. Oh no! And I knew I knew down that he's got to take it. You got to roll with that punch because if you come back and say I'm tired of him playing the race card, yeah. which he did turn, right from the start. They're yeah. going to turn it on you. They're yeah. going to turn. And then just look at it. There was a uh, uh, while during the heat of the campaign, there was a. Uh, uh, it, be, it became public knowledge that there was a huge sex scandal in Chicago public schools. Oh, yeah. Hundreds of sex of complaints of sexual harassment. Johnson at the time was a was the union guy for CTU. He Brandon my, Johnson. My, Our, Brandon you know, Johnson. Yeah. My my guess was that he was knee deep in covering this thing up. Uh, the media refused to talk yeah. about it. Okay. They refused. They're talking about it now. Sure. But they wouldn't talk about it then. No. I, I remember calling them up and go, hey, you going to cover this? And they'd almost sometimes just hang up on you. Yeah. They, they were not going to cover it. The, 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 the people that run them news stations made the decision that we want, a, we want a black mayor. Yeah, it's a joke. They're completely in the tank for and, anything left, anything woke. It's all BS. And the, and the craziest thing about it was on election night, I was at uh, – Vallis headquarters. I was up on the, the floor where Vallis was. And literally every black politician who was anybody in the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, was there. You can't, you name them, they were there. At Paul's headquarters. They were supporting him. They yeah. were supporting him. But the, the, the voters weren't. And I yeah. remember at one point when someone said they, you know, they, they thought it was over. And, uh, and uh, my style i punched the wall <laughs> and uh this uh, uh elderly uh, uh black politician came up to me and i didn't know who he was but i knew all the other politicians deferred to him yeah. and he tells me i'll never forget he goes relax relax i go i'm tired of this i go I, you know, you get what you vote for elections have consequences he goes, yeah. yes they do he goes a lot of mail-in ballots though he goes just uh, relax yeah. go home and say your rosary yeah <laughs> and uh, maybe said- we'll maybe and, and we'll pull this thing out they thought 
up until the end that they were going to pull it out, but no they never counted a lot of mail-in ballots, from what I understand. Yeah. And you know, that was it. You know, uh, my uh, my feeling is he never should have ever had a debate with that idiot. He just said this guy's a piece of crap. He doesn't qualify as a candidate. But but you know, I tried to tell Paul kick him in the balls, and he was like, he's too much of a gentleman. God bless him. But, it, you know, politics is a dirty, dirty business. Right. If you're not ready to get down there and pull out a knife and stab somebody, you shouldn't be in there. I, I, I really think he would have been better off with a, a different debate forums. I don't think, you know, he kept going to a lot of these forums and, and yeah. in the black community. And they were just ambushes, basically. And he'd get, and exactly, he'd get yeah. ambushed there. Yeah. And then his hands were definitely tied there yeah. when he would, you know, he's in South Shore and 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 uh, Brandon Johnson plays the race card. He's got nowhere to go. Yeah, you know he can't he can't fire back. because yeah. he's just going to hurt himself. You know, and then I think the the other thing that hurt him was uh, when uh, uh, DeSantis came here. He you know he went after DeSantis. I oh, thought, I was I went to see that was a mistake. That yeah. was I I believe attacking. The, I believe DeSantis. he should have kept it short and sweet. Yeah, I don't agree with his positions on many things, but this is America. He has a right to say and think what he wants, yeah. and I support his right to think what he wants and say what he wants. I just don't agree with him and let it at that. Yeah. But instead, he let his no. you know Washington advisors. Joe Trippi. Joe Trippi. Ah, faker of the first water. Yeah. yeah. Joe Trippi concocted this statement for him, yeah. and he, he eviscerates the guy in his statement, and I think it turned a lot of people off. I, I went out to see DeSantis and Elmer's that day. It's like, and I think doing? it turned a lot of people off. Remember Jeannie Ives? Pardon? Jeannie Ives, she ran for Congress. Yes, she ran for, yes. All right, so I saw Jeannie at the DeSantis event. And I interviewed her, and I said, "What's with Paul? Why did he go again?" And he goes, "That's not the Paul Vallis I know, and all this." And but uh, I, I, I'm sure it was that joke. Yeah. It, what What gets me about it is I don't know why FOP did that. Yeah. You know, I don't know why he did. That's where he was speaking at the FOP. This is the same. This is the same. You know, I mean, uh, the, the president of FOP, he is what he is. But you're talking about John Cantonzara. Cantonzara. Okay. They had no contract. They had no contract. They didn't have a contract. Yeah. Paul Vallis came in and negotiated that contract yeah, he did. For, he did a lot for free of, of charge. Yeah, he did. You owed him at least a heads up to what you were going to do. Yeah. Not for him to get sabotaged like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. And he did. He got sabotaged. And, you know, uh, his his campaign reacted instead of thinking about, we got to think about what we're doing. You know, what we say, we want to make it clear that we don't support DeSantis, but we can't alienate those who do. And they didn't. They didn't do no, a good did, job there. No, they they didn't did do not. a good job. Yeah. I forgot all about that. Till you brought that up. Yeah. And I went to see him that day. He was pretty damn good. DeSantis said, "This is a guy I want." Uh, but what I want isn't what's going to happen, unfortunately. And the other thing is, from an insider's point of view of the campaign, was the trippy crowd. Yeah. They didn't want him to have any. They didn't want like. Like one day we walked, you know, if you walked in his office, you walked in the door, made a left-hand turn, and you walked past a big office with a big window, and it was like a conference room. And I walked past there, and Paul saw me, and he come out of the room, and he yeah. gave me a big hug. How yeah. you doing, Pat? And I could see Trippy and them guys looking, oh. staring daggers at me, like, who is this guy? Yeah. And all of a sudden, I could never get near him again. Oh. I, I know of a friend who, a uh, good friend of his, uh, she worked with him. She came out uh, for uh, one day or for a weekend, and 
from South Carolina where she lived, and she just wanted to talk to Paul, you know, and she was really involved in his first campaign. Yeah. And Trippy asked her, could you do me a favor and take me for a ride to Evanston? Oh, and just to get her out. He, he wanted his consult under the guys to go see his grandkids. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, he just don't want you by Paul. Yeah. He doesn't want you by Paul. He doesn't want, he, we are the message. We want to keep Paul on our message, not your message. Yeah. And I, in the long run, I don't, I don't think it helped. Not at all. It didn't help. And I always you lost the election. Yeah. What, yeah. And what I want to know, he had that Burt, uh, the lawyer, Nutsin or whatever his name, I don't know. Where was he the night of the election? Why was he at the election center freezing up all the mail-in ballots? Yeah. You know, you left the mail-in ballots there, and some of them disappeared. You know, of course they did. Yeah. Of course they did. The ones but with the six zero six four one. We don't need these. Pat, so, what was the name of my book? Nothing's on the square. Nothing's on the square. <laughs> you ain't you ain't <laughs> kidding. Ain't there the is truth. nothing on the square. No, nothing. It's only, it, you know, uh, or is John Cash's famous line? This is. This is Chinatown. <laughs> this is Chinatown, Jake. Yeah, this is Chinatown, it. Jake. Forget yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. And it just continues. That's what's frightening about it. And God bless guys like you who stand up and say, this is bullshit, and you're right. And it, it, except the thing is, it has as much, as much effect as me spitting in Lake Michigan. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and yeah. it, it is what it is, but I, I, I'm just, I don't suffer fools. Yeah. You don't. You know, don't 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 spit in my ear and tell me it's rain. I know what's going on. Yeah. And the cities, it, it could be it have a lot of problems if they don't get straightened out. Now he wants to he wants to this mil, he calls it a millionaire tax, but it's really going to tax anybody that sells their home. Sure, everything will be paced right on to the yeah right yeah. yeah. Oh, you're talking about Johnson. Oh, yeah. And, and now you got you got uh, we're, we're loaded with immigrants, and he and. I can't believe that he will stand there with a straight face and say, "We didn't, we didn't ask for this problem." No, oh, Joe yes. Biden asked for this problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys said, "Hey, come, come on, come on." You know, well, they're they having the exact same problem in Ireland right now, and the media is covering it all up. Right, they got it, and they're and someone is paying for these immigrants to come into these hotels and take the jobs, and they give them money. It's like, what the hell? Look at we France. got homeless people look in at, Ireland. Look at the problem France had with all the immigrants oh, yeah. that came in there. Yeah. I mean, there was a summer where the whole riots all summer long yeah yeah but you know they, it's going to be wild this summer yeah unbelievable and i i don't you know i i i i picture uh a fight in a democratic party over biden oh, as the nomination oh, yeah the far left is already going to want them yeah. and if the you know if you go into august and uh trump is leading in the poll and in, in head at head to head cap uh, election with uh, Biden, what are they going to do? Are they going to still roll, you know, roll them out? Yeah, you know, and, uh, no, some are, some will be more than willing to do that, but others are going to want 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 a more radical uh, left wing position. And what's going to happen? And I think you're going to see all every radical organization you can imagine come to Chicago. Insane. Yeah. Now they're talking about Michelle Obama, and you know, it's like give me a break. It's a, well. I don't like Democrats to begin with. They kill babies. So don't get me started on that crap. Anyway, you should go to work as a political consultant. You know, you've been around, you know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't, you know, because it, 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 you know, I don't, you got to bring your White House manners that I, <laughs> I'm lacking, you know. Well, that's what Paul needed, you know. I, he, he did. Needed, he needed I, I believe he did. A, I, I believe he did a whole lot better. 
He made more sense the first time around, yeah. but he, he just could not compete with uh, 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 Rom's money. Yeah. And then when Rom left, and then all the, you know, and all 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 the uh, uh, carpetbaggers jumped in. Gary Chico's yeah. running. Susan Mendoza's running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich. Uh, Bill Daly's running. Well, where were you before? Yeah, you know they were nowhere to be found when the the, the Saturday night when I called Paul Vallis up. But you ain't gonna believe this, Paul. We just had forty shot, forty shot in the, a matter of hours yeah. in the city. Where were they then? They were nowhere to be found. No. But then when they saw an opening, they were gonna go. You know, they, we don't have to go against Rom and his fortune. They yeah. all wanted in. Sure. They all wanted in. Chewy included. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, it's almost like a script that they're all following. It's crazy, crazy stuff. So, but you, life has calmed down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I, uh, it's time. It, you know, what I mean, you can't you can't do it forever. I mean, physically, I could I could still easily do it. I, there's no. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I'm going to be seventy in uh, uh, March 14th. Well, you look great. Shit, I just turned seventy-five, and I'm about to drop, ready to drop dead any I, minute. I feel good. I eat good. I work yeah, out. I work you know, out all the time. I work yeah, out all yeah. the time. Hey, remember when we went to New York? Yes. What a wonderful trip you, you that were was. We were honored uh, with the yeah. Irish Echo yeah. uh, First Responders Award. Yeah, that it was. was it was yeah. a. It was a wonderful evening. I. I, I felt. Uh, I don't know. I felt. I, I told guys when I come back to Chicago. I felt the brotherhood with the New York yes. firemen. Oh yeah, they all came and over and talked then, to you and everything. Then I yeah. then I ever felt in my own oh, department. No, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I remember they were all talking about fires, and there was about five of them each telling a story about a fire they had. And I go, "What about you, Fitz?" And I go, well, "I'm not a fireman. I'm a paramedic." Yeah. Hey, hey, don't be ashamed of that, dude. Yeah. You know, I I respect what you do. You guys do a, you guys do a hard work. I you remember that. Right? Know, yeah, they're out at our table. Yeah, yeah they were yeah. wonderful, wonderful guys. And, yeah. and to hear the stories about them, you know. Yeah. And you know, I'll always thank you for that uh, that trip because you you arranged it. But I'll I'll always be thankful because. I was in the heart of 9-11, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's where it, it all happened. It, it, it was all there, and yeah. you, you just felt it from these guys. Everybody in that room had been there, yeah. had lost somebody there, and you just felt this overwhelming emotion. And, I, you know, I really felt the importance of what we do in our job. Oh, you yeah. know, my old boss, my the, the best fire commissioner the city ever had, Ray Orozco, used to say, you know what, Fitz, we ain't delivering pizzas. Nothing against pizza, Ray guys. Orozco, yeah. Yep. yeah. We're not delivering pizzas when we're out there. We're out there because, you know, it's somebody's worst day of their life, and we got to do whatever we can to make yeah. it better. God bless them. You know, and the great thing is the Irish Echo was behind all that. I work for them now, yeah. <laughs> if I do toot my own horn. But there's nothing like that here in Chicago. No. You no. know, that has a... First Responders Award or anything like that. Right. Nothing. You know, that's pathetic. But we're doing it here on Hibernian Radio yes, for Vexeek. <laughs> How are we doing on time? Okay. Right, so a couple more minutes. I want to thank you so much for coming back. And oh. now that we're closer, you can come back and expound whatever you want, my friend. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. Uh, uh, because... You're an important voice in this city, and and uh, I thank you for that. Yeah, and it's refreshing. I got to tell you, because there's not many people who speak the truth. I mean, it's just as simple as that, you know. Uh, any final message? Uh, go Bears! <laughs> Don't screw up this draft. <laughs> Arlington Heights, let them build a stadium there, and uh, 
Enjoy the summer and everybody out there. Now, you grew up as a Cubs fan or a Sax fan? Cubs fan. Oh, okay. Because they're, they're all doing this thing about the Sax need another stadium. I said, no, they don't. Hey, they even paid for the first one. Exactly. They had. Come on. Give me a break. Yeah. You know, and then I, I love it. I listen to these guys. Well, the Bears are going to build the one on south of Soldier Field. I go, I, I guess you never heard of Friends of the Park. They'll oh, yeah. tie them up in cold yeah, for the oh, next yeah. 20 years. Yeah. No one's building that south of the stadium, <laughs> south of Soldier Field. Now, have you ever thought about getting into politics as an alderman or anything nah, like that? No. Nah. I did, a couple guys talked to you. know, I think you got to be beholden to too many people. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you know, I think the only time you could ever see a, a truly unbeholden politician is the guy that won the lottery and wants to spend his money. Doesn't you know, care. Blows money to be a politician. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're the best, pal. Well, thank you. You are. You <laughs> thanks so much. For great coming. guy. You're, you're entertaining. <laughs> yeah. you got As are you, my book. friend. <laughs> All right. Uh, retired uh, ambulance commander, paramedic, uh, paramedic commander, uh, ambulance chief. Forty-five years on the job, Patrick from Fitzmorris. Let us know how you're doing. We'll do. Anytime you want to come back and we'll do. talk about something, we're right here for you. Okay, pal? All right. God bless you, Pat Fitzmorris. Thank we're going to take a little break here on Hibernian Radio. We'll be right back after these messages from our friend. Flood Brothers Disposal was started over 90 years ago by their grandfather. With more than 20 family members still involved with day-to-day operations, the floods are service-oriented and believe that the right way is the only way to do something. Flood Brothers are price competitive and still offer the personal touch in an industry-trending corporate. For client-centric service without all of that corporate garbage, call Flood Brothers today for a quote on your solid waste recycling and yard waste collection services. Call Bob Flood today at 630-261-0400 or go online at floodbrothersdisposal.com. Welcome back to the Flood Brothers. Hey, folks, don't go just yet. Grandpa will be back. Mike? Who's Mike? Oh, that's his name? I didn't even know he had a name. I thought it was just Grandpa. All right. Well, we'll be right back on Hibernian Radio with Mike Houlihan. Irish American News has been bringing you the news important to the Irish in Chicagoland for over 40 years. If you like mostly good news and information from all aspects of the Irish community, check out Irish American News. To advertise or subscribe, call our friend Cliff Carlson at 847 872 0700 or email him at cliff at irishamericannews.com Irish American News we've always been green Cops and firefighters risk their lives almost every day so they shouldn't have to risk their hard earned dough in any get rich schemes or the blather of old pals in the real estate biz And good luck trying to figure out the stock market or cryptocurrency or even economics 101 when you come home exhausted at the end of your shift. What you need is somebody you can trust. And they're in short supply these days. Hey, take it from me. I've lost fortunes in showbiz because I thought I was smarter than everybody else and I wound up bankrupt and broke. It took me a long time to decide to find a friend I could trust who had my family's best interests at heart. That friend was my late pal, Joe Madden. I met him as he passed the basket at St. Luke's, and I'd turn my pockets inside out as he came to my pew, and I'd say, I'm tapioca. He laughed, but didn't stop him from supporting my films and showbiz endeavors over the years. Joe Madden had my back. 
A few years before he died, Joe started Madden Funds with his sons, Mike and Danny. The Maddens and Houlihans have been pals for a long, long time. They can advise the best path for your investments. Madden Funds will have your back, too. Need advice on your 401k or your rollover IRA? You can trust Madden Funds to help you protect and grow your investments now and in your family's future. Go to their website, maddenfunds.com, or call Mike or Dan Madden at 708-848-3200 and tell them who Lee sent you. And we are back. Boy, that Pat Fitzmorris. He's dynamite. He's gonna, I missed him. He's so outspoken and so genuine and the real deal. So he'll be back soon because we've moved the show closer to his home. Uh, do some plugs. I want to plug the uh, upcoming Saturday, March 16th. Uh, our friends at the Emerald Society are having their huge party. It's at local 399 Operating Engineers Hall, 2260 South Grove. Um, you get... Uh, Corned beef and cabbage dinner, pop and water, the bagpipes and drums of the Emerald Society, all kinds of great music. Um, and it, it's what time does that thing start, Billy? You know, can you read that? I can't read it. Um, Jeff Lang, he just sent me uh, the information, and so I'm reading it off my phone, and my eyeballs are too small for that. Buses leave for the parade at 10 a.m. So if you want to get there and park in that lot, and then go to the parade and come back. That's a smart move. 2260 South Grove. We'll be plugging it again next week. Uh, it's the Emerald Society uh, meeting on the St. Patrick's Day Parade and Celebration Saturday, March 16th, and we'll be there. Also, want to remind everybody, what else is on my list here? Uh, the uh, Southside Irish Parade fundraiser is March 2nd at Bourbon Street from 3 to 9 over in uh, Marionette Park. That's a lot of fun. And, of course, the high holy days are upon us. I want to thank my friends at the Irish Echo for this terrific review of my book, The Headline. That's all. I'm going to give you the headline. Storyteller at Top of His Game. And big thanks to my pal Peter McDermott for writing this great, uh, great, great, great review of the book, which I just gave to pay. Get that book for St. Patrick's Day, uh, Chicago Irish mythology you're gonna love it also um thanks to the irish echo we're going to uh, buffalo new york uh, april 26th they're putting me into their irish american heroes that's pretty cool it's good to know a guy it's always good to know a guy anyway um you know billy whenever i'm walking down western avenue i look in the window ken's wrong hearts any of those great irish stones i see the ghost of my old pal jimmy goff through the mist and he says to me hey holy Mary Tess Mahoney, 91, a native of Escalane, County Mayo, Ireland, beloved wife of 38 years, the late Jack Mahoney, and the loving mother of Eileen and Mary Mahoney. God rest her soul, Tess Mahoney, 91. Tony Mulcrone, age 87, husband of the late Kathleen B., and loving father of Jerry, Karen, Tony, and Maureen. God rest his soul. Tony was born at home on a family farm in Kilmina. In Kilmina, that's where we shot a lot of our Irish... Uh, it wasn't our Irish cousins. Weeping Jim, in search of Weeping Jim. We shot it in Kilmina County, Mayo. And that's where Tony was born. He grew up with his parents, nine brothers and sisters, and all the mischief a young Irish boy could produce. 
He cared for greyhounds belonging to the parish priest. He played Irish football. He was a goalie in the Camina team that won the GAA Junior Championship. Ah, a guy from Kilmina playing football for the Chicago All-Stars. Tony was able to fly back to Ireland with his fiance Kathleen Flaherty, in 1961. And they went and got engaged, and the rest is history. God rest his lovely soul, Tony Mulcroon. Marianne Gaynor, age 84, loving mother of Thomas, Sergeant, Chicago Police Department, uh, cherished grandmother of four. Marianne was a proud professor of nursing for 35 years at St. Zayev's. God rest her soul, Marianne Gaynor, 84. Jack Malloy, age 82, United States Army veteran, proud retired carpenter of the Union Local 13. Husband of 51 years of the late Mary Ann Malloy, father of Catherine, Joe, Bill, and Maureen. Uh, born in 1941 at two pounds, two ounces. He fought every breath from his first to his last. Last, He was certified leprechaun. He traded his pot of gold for a family he absolutely treasured. God rest his soul. He was an avid golfer, and right now he's giving angels lessons on their short game. However, pulling away in the car just before they hop in. Jack Malloy, God rest his soul. Michael McGinty, age 72, beloved husband of Sharon, for 37 years, beloved or loving father of Daniel, Eric, and Michael. Mike was a proud member of local 597 pipefitters for 47 years, 20 of which were served with the City of Chicago Water Department. God rest his soul, Mike McGinty. Joan C. Dwyer, 85. She was married for 57 years to Tim Dwyer, loving mother of Carol, Jackie, and the late Timothy. Again, rest her soul, Joan C. Dwyer. Ruth Gallagher, 68, beloved wife of Francisco Rangel. Again, rest her soul, Ruth Gallagher. Uh, Dan McNamara, 63, devoted father of Cody McNamara and Alexis McNamara. He is also survived by the mother of his children and his friend Susan D. Bartola, many loving cousins, friends, and his faithful companions, Lola and Hunter. Loretta Lori O'Connell of Glen Allen, mother of Lolly, Tony, and Christy. Uh, Lori was an incredibly strong and independent woman until her final days. She grew up in South Shore at St. Philip Neri, uh, hang out at South Shore Country Club, now the Chicago Cultural Center. Uh, she raised three daughters in River Forest in Oak Park. God bless her. God rest her soul. Lori O'Connell. And Janet Marie Kenny Walsh, uh, a longtime resident of the villages in Florida, loving wife of the late Michael Kenny and the late Thomas Walsh, and the beloved mother of Donna, Mike, Kenny, and Susan. God rest her soul. Janet Marie Kenny. Dorothy Daly. Age 97, her first husband, Joseph T. Daly, passed away in 1986 when they'd been married for 37 years. In 2000, Dorothy married Edward J. Kelly, who preceded her death in 2005. Uh, Dorothy has survived her sister, Mary Lou, and her six children, Tom, Sheila, Peter, Fran, Steve, and Bob. God rest her soul, Dorothy Daly Kelly. And Tracy Reppin, young 52 years old, beloved wife of Barry Reppin, Chicago Fire Department, loving mother of Dennis and Andrew, devoted daughter of uh, her mother. Uh, God rest her soul, Tracy Reppin, only 52. That's a shame. Uh, she had a courageous battle. God rest her soul, Tracy Reppin. Let's close up the crypt. We'll be right back after these messages from our friends. <laughs> 
with a history going all the way back to 1896. The International Union of Operating Engineers has continued to protect workers and their families with loyalty and brotherhood. Local 150 has continued to thrive through economic booms and busts with careful training and aggressive organizing. Under the leadership of President and Business Manager Jim Sweeney, Local 150 has implemented programs and action plans to create work, protect benefits, and keep members working. And they've been helping the Irish-American community of Chicagoland for just as long. The Hibernian Radio Show is proud to be associated with Jim Sweeney and Local 150, and we salute the continuing efforts of the International Union of Operating Engineers and their support of Irish and Irish-American families now and in the future. Thanks to Local 150. Flood Brothers Disposal was started over 90 years ago by their grandfather. With more than 20 family members still involved with day-to-day operations, the floods are service-oriented and believe that the right way is the only way to do something. Flood Brothers are price competitive and still offer the personal touch in an industry-trending corporate. For client-centric service without all of that corporate garbage, Call Flood Brothers today for a quote on your solid waste recycling and yard waste collection services. Call Bob Flood today at 630-261-0400 or go online at floodbrothersdisposal.com. Welcome back to the Flood Brothers. Deep, deep in the south side of Chicago. Get me out of here. So deep, deep. All the way up to 93rd Street. Get me out of here, please. Across the tracks. Where they only spoke yakky dot. Oh. And the people barely survived on a strict diet of crunchy bumps and bad food. Hey, man, you want another drink? Yes. Can I get you two? This yeah. Is 70 years we're talking. 70 when years? What? Oh. Something entered his cranium. His cranium? And wormed around his frontal lobe system uh. into a state of mind. Mind, yes. mind, mind. Big place on the other side of bunkers. Welcome. <laughs> a crazy, silly spree. Have a seat. Known as... Hooley Town. Hooley Town. Welcome to Hooley Town. Don't stay too long, though. How come? Because you might not come back. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Hooley Town. Why, thank you. And you're welcome. Yeah, welcome to Hooley Town. That's our old pal Greg Holloman, and you've been hearing him at the top of the show each week with Seamus O'Hooligan Jr., Black Irishman. That's our soap opera that we're working on. And we'll be doing that each week now. And then on the right before the St. Patrick's Day weekend, we're going to play the whole shebang, 37 minutes of uh, Black Irishman. So anyway, I have a couple of jokes here. Murphy says to Patty, what are you talking into an envelope for? I'm sending a voicemail, you fool. Okay. Patty says, Mick, I'm thinking of buying a Labrador. Are you crazy? Have you seen how many of their owners go blind? Okay. My daughter asked me for a pet spider for her birthday, so I went to our local pet shop and they wanted 70 bucks. Hey, forget that. I can get one cheaper off the web. <laughs> I start a new job in Seoul next week. I thought it would be a good Korea move. <laughs> Boy, I don't know. I thought statistically six out of seven dwarfs are not happy. Get it? My neighbor knocked on my door at 2.30 a.m. this morning. Can you believe that? 2.30 a.m. Luckily for him, I was still up playing my bagpipes. Okay. Two Muslims crashed a speedboat into the Thames barrier in London. Police think it might be the start of Ramadan. 
<laughs> My wife is counting all the coins on the kitchen table when she suddenly got very angry and started shouting and crying for no reason. I thought to myself, she's going through the change. Oh, it's lame. Local police hunting the knitting needle nutter who has stabbed six people in the rear in the last 48 hours. They believe the attacker could be following some kind of pattern. <laughs> a teddy bear is working on a building site. He goes for a tea break, and when he returns, he notices his pick has been stolen. The bear is angry, reports the theft to the foreman. The foreman grins at the bear and says, Oh, I forgot to tell you, today's the day the teddy bears have their pick nicked. An Asia fella has moved in next door. He's traveled the world, swum with sharks, wrestled bears, and climbed the highest mountain. It came as no surprise to learn that his name was Binder Dundat. Okay. Do I have any more? I don't think so. No, that's it. Let's close up the crypt and the joke thing, and thanks, everybody. Hey, uh, next week we got the Queen, Grace O'Connor, on the show, plus all six members of the court. It's going to be crazy. So, and you don't want to miss the next episode of um, Seamus O'Hooligan Jr., Black Irishman. So stick around. Thanks big time to our pal, Pat Fitzmorris, who was excellent as always. He'll be back, and we will see you later. Bye. Just to see how far, see how far I was from home. And I buckled up my shoes. And then I started walking And I started walking Oh, I started